listening to What the Truck. Oh, really echoes in here, too. I mean, there's a lot of people moving around, building things up for the 3PL sub, but at the same time, you get some real good cowbell going inside the studio. <laughs> you can get it. There's not a lot in here, is there? I know. <laughs> it took me by surprise, and I'm usually doing it in my uh, apartment, trying to get a noise complaint or two. But, um, <laughs> but hey, welcome surprised. to What the Truck. I'm Dooner. That's the dude right there. Peace and love, everybody. Welcome. Everything's good, man. We're on the eve of the 3PL Summit, the precipice of freight and virtual events. I can really feel the energy circulating around here as that cowbell echoes <laughs> through the hallways of Freight Alley. We're in the studio making final preparations, but one thing you guys can do before the show starts, yeah. go to FreightWaves.com, click on events, and join that Slack channel. If you were a part of FreightWaves Live at home in May, our last virtual event, you know just how impactful that is, those connections that were made in there. You can join now. Conversations are already going on. Drop your LinkedIn in there. Make some friends. I'm yeah, there. absolutely. You're there. I just jo- yeah, I joined. I joined. I've been joined. I got my LinkedIn there. People are putting in their LinkedIn for linked up is one of the channels that's inside there. And yeah, no, you absolutely. Just in case, just in time. What's the future? All that conversation started through those Slack channels. It's great networking. It's great conversation. That's the Excellent live desk, man. We are sitting here watching the entire event. We're seeing what people are saying. We're watching all these uh, all these demos and all these sections, like with with Bradley Jacobs, the keynote speaker. And then that crafts our own narrative. So you guys really become a part of the fabric of the storytelling that we do. We really, uh, yeah, we really look forward to it. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, we got an exciting show today. And if you've been watching a lot of Freight Waves TV content, you may notice guys like Dean Matt Waller, Dr. Jason Miller coming on the show. Yeah. Today we're having a couple guests from Virginia Tech's Transportation Institute. We're talking about the rise of education in supply chain and transportation. Super excited about that conversation. It wasn't that long ago. Well, maybe half a life ago. I was in college 20 years ago. <laughs> but there were not the programs and the offerings and the extended learning programs there are now about transportation. I'm super excited about what they're finding out about driver safety, big problem in the country. Yeah, absolutely. It's really encouraging, and it's great to see the academic get involved in this, and it really has been over the years, and really digging deep into this. Because, you know, hey, when you were in college, when I was in college, I was in college probably before you, I imagine, a couple years. (laughs) Maybe, a few. Well, for me, it's been 30-plus, but uh, it it wasn't, you know, it was a truck. Yeah. Right? It wasn't logistics. There wasn't any of that type of, those type of degrees or anything like that, but... Hey, now you've had is. a little bit. You've had a little it's bit great. more tenure here. Speaking of the cell, so I'm in an apartment. I got a balcony, and nobody told me about the wasps out here. There's a lot of wasps, and they keep building nests on my balcony. I'm in the. I'm like in the midst of a warfare with them, and they're getting smart. I kill. I keep killing the ones in the eaves. So what they did the other day is they put a nest right under my kid's sandbox. So my wife went to move it. They got their revenge against her. I guess the survivors of when I've taken the. The other hornet's nests out. What yeah. do, uh, you got a plan for them. What's the best thing to do? <laughs> well, first of all, it looks like you won the war. Well, I mean, I'm still, <laughs> it it's like not over. Unscathed. They keep coming back. Well, you're winning the battles, which is good. But my, my, you know, my voice's advice really is, you know, just after the little known fact of engagement that, you know, never match wits with a Sicilian when death is on the line. <laughs> the, ne- the, the, next, the next one is don't mess with wasps and, unless you've got one of those 20-foot spray cans. Don't get into a don't, land war with wasps. Don't uh, get into an air wasps. war with wasps unless you got one of those 20-foot spray cans. Wasps are becoming harder to find, too, because people are using it as stain. protests and stuff. They're using it uh, instead of pepper spray because it's legal to carry. Yeah. Can you stain? Can you stain your wood? Can I stain my wood? Does yeah, that keep wasps Your sandbox. Wood? Is it wood? Uh, it wasn't. I don't know. If it's, if it's wood, <laughs> stain it. The stain keeps them away pretty good. All right. 
right, man. Connect with Redwood Connect supply chain integration platform with Redwood Logistics that connects every last part of your supply chain, turning logistics maze into a freeway. It connects your disparate, hard-to-manage silos using a drag-and-drop platform that's so easy. Bing, bing. It's like magic. <laughs> Learn more about Redwood Connect at redwoodlogistics.com. Go there right after the show. All right, man, let's jump into some headlines. Mack Trucks, this isn't good news. Mack Trucks is cutting 450 salaried jobs. Alan Adler on FreightWaves.com, he reports that Mack Trucks is laying off 450 salaried workers at its North Carolina headquarters as part of a global downsizing by Swedish parent Volvo Group. I think we talked about those Volvo layoffs a couple weeks ago. But it is holding the line for now against trimming more production jobs in Pennsylvania, at least. Even before the COVID-19 pandemic erased seven weeks of production in the second quarter, Mack already expected a 30% decline in business following a very tough 2018 and 2019 for them. Yeah, it's not a great follow-up year after those two tough years. And the projected decline is now significantly sharper, Dooner. Uh, Mac spokesman Christopher Hoffner told the Morning Call newspaper in Allentown, Pennsylvania, Mac laid off 305 hourly workers in February. The 450 salaried layoffs, most at headquarters in Greensboro, North Carolina, are a portion of 4,100 white-collar jobs the Volvo Group plans to eliminate in the second half of 2020. 2020. Overall sales at the maker of trucks, buses, and construction equipment fell 38% in the quarter. We mentioned it. If you recall, Mac had already faced headwind, headwinds with those layoffs last year, and they had that big 12-day UAW strike. In addition, they're going to face regulatory hurdles because of another story we talked about on here a few weeks ago. California requiring 9% of trucks to be zero emission by 2024. And here's some bad news if you work at Mac. As Mac executives say, they're not planning on making an EV at the moment. Is that of fool's hardy? <laughs> Are they denying? I don't know. I don't know what they're denying. Maybe they're just keeping it low because sometimes these things it happen. People don't want to give yeah. it away. All right. Yeah. Well, hopefully good things in those workers. Yeah, find I don't a place think it'd be land. a smart move to ignore electric drivetrains at this. Time. No, I don't think it would. You might have to send your resume to yeah. Tesla, though, if they do for too long. <laughs> uh, fresh food to U.S. Food exports, China COVID inspection. So fresh food threats to U.S. exports. This is actually something we talked about at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic when they were first shutting down ports in China back in January, February. Hadn't hit here yet. People didn't care that much. Well, issues abound, right? Greg Miller reports February's coronavirus shutdown in Wuhan, China hit American food exports hard. Shippers transport perishable food in refrigerated containers called reefers. When unloaded, the containers must plug into electric power called these reefer plugs. The problem is with so many reefer containers being held up for inspection, there are not enough plugs. Here we are again. Yeah, before it was the inland transportation in China being shut down that it was hitting and filling everything up. Now it's inspection is today the logjam stems really from the COVID outbreak at uh, at a Beijing food market where they first disclosed on January on June 11th. Sorry, China believes food may have been the source of the infection. So food import inspections have surged, causing delays in getting reefers out of the ports for the into the inland. Ergo. Reefer plugs are filling up really fast, and now ocean carriers are warning shippers Chinese customs increase the inspection of import reefer uh, containers. Import container pickup activities have been severely impacted, and as a result, reefer plugs are now highly utilized, especially in the ports of Yanchen and Ningbo. Yeah, and Merska has told customers, and a lot of carriers are giving guidance on this, Merska has told customers that in Yantian, plug availability has reached critical levels. And not only could this be damaging to your food and delays, but it's going to be costly, too. In fact, they advise shippers to, to book directly to nearby ports such as Nansho or Xiwan. If a shipper must book to Yantian, get this, Merska said that there's no guarantees in delivery time and a $1,000 per container surcharge. 
Yeah, what, what is that? Uh, half again the cost to get it there? Well, well here's the other thing. <laughs> Compounding things, Chinese customs officials are asking for guarantees for food exporters that cargo is COVID-19 free, but there's no way for the exporters themselves to do it. Uh, to demand to demand a guarantee that there's no COVID on food products, it's almost impossible for a U.S. or Brazilian or Australian exporter to make, argued uh, Friedman, who is working at these ports here and trying to figure this all out. Yeah, exactly. But as shipping from China, as it is, uh, China, uh, you know, Friedman went on to say exporters are very willing to guarantee that all safety protocols have been applied. And that's really what the AgTC, the, the statement guarantees, is that they are safe. So, Yeah. But specifically uh, calling out COVID. Well, I mean, uh, so, so China, too, where the, the exporters out of China are like, no, no, it's, it's good. Yeah. It's fine. The tariff number works because there's no yeah. COVID-19. No, that's all right. Don't just it. ship it. Yeah. Uh, here's a crazy story that just came up on FreightWaves.com. Truck driver, he's facing kidnapping charges after a wild chase. That's right. John Kingston put this up. The truck driver, he was arrested over the weekend after a wild chase in his tractor trailer and just a trailer at one point. He was even bobtailing. He's now in a Cincinnati jail, area jail in $275,000 bond. Uh, one news report described this chase as lasting for hours. He's reported to be a 40-year-old from Alabama. News reports said that he was driving a tractor trailer with the trailer hooked up. He dumped it. Various videos in the chase show a full rig in the bobtailing, as we mentioned. Hey, that's, that's insane. The police deployed uh, stop sticks, with the, right, uh, which did not flatten, which did flatten a tire. But Bert thought, uh, kept on driving with his, wife, with his wife in the cab, at times heading the wrong way down the highway. It was ultimately a rifle shot with a 50 caliber bullet into the engine block of the truck, creating a loss of oil that that brought it actually to a stop finally. In a transcript, an audio recording of the 9-11 call, uh, apparently placed by his wife, uh, she sounds frantic and says she is injured. Berthelot uh, is heard offering to release her in that, uh, in that audio as well. Yeah, he had his wife in the car with him. I guess he's accusing her of cheating. He says he wants to have suicide by cop. Fortunately, the, it did come into an end. They shot him in the engine block, like you said. He came out with a knife to his neck. They end up tasing him. He's now in custody. So hopefully he can get the, the mental health that he clearly needs. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. yeah, no doubt. And we talked about that uh, last week, the importance of mental health and, and with, with drivers and everybody ignored. during these times. Just go on Twitter, man. You'll be like, there's a lot of need for mental health. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Jeez. No doubt about it. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to uh, Mitch Lucchino. He is the president. Uh, Luciano. Luciano. I'm sorry. I always think of Larry Lucchino from the Red Sox. Let's talk to Mitch Lucchino from Luciano. Lu Mitch Luciano. You got to get sorry. the Red Sox off your mind, bro. I'm sorry, Forgive him, Mitch. He's a no, no, I'm section. trying to type at the same time, <laughs> and our network just went down in here. Oh, nice. Hello, Mitch. Hello? Yeah, hey, hey Mitch. Mitch. Yes. Hey, Hi. welcome back, man. How are you How are you doing? Mitch, he's the president and CEO at Trailer Bridge. Uh, Trailer Bridge, no matter where you are, where you need to move your cargo within the United States, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and U.S. Virgin Islands, no matter the size or type, truckload, less than truckload, overdimensional, NIT, SOL, boat or vehicle, we make it happen. Isn't that right, Rich? Mitch? That is absolutely true. Absolutely true. It's great to be back. <laughs> Mitch, it's great to have you back, man. I hope you're well, my friend. So uh, jumping into this, 2020 has been really challenged uh, for everyone, actually. And it, and it seems like the more we learn about what's going on with uh, COVID and, and the economy and what's moving on, the, it's like the less we know. So how do companies face headwinds like this when you really can't tell what is going on? It's very difficult to see. It's very opaque, uh, both internally and externally. Well, the key, the key pieces is, is, um, and I've talked about this before, is communication with your team, right? The, the more open lines of communication you have, 
with everybody in your, on your team and your family, the better information you're going to get. And trying to predict next week sometimes is, is really difficult. So planning out, I think companies are doing reforecasts every other week right now in the transportation world. Trying to plan out long term is a challenge. So you have to worry about today, focus on today, and then over-communicate with your team. Give them as much information as they, they need, and then they'll give it back to you. And then you'll, you'll be better prepared going forward. Hey, Mitch, have plans changed at all for, for you and your team or any of your customers as uh, new new states are putting in new lockdown measures as the coronavirus roars its ugly head again? Uh, what about the what about those new stronger headwinds that we're facing? Yeah, I think we, you know, we try to do a reentry plan back into the office, right, to get people back and get them engaged with each other. And we had to kind of put that on hold, obviously, especially here in Florida, where most of, a lot of our employees are based. We kind of put that on hold. Um, and we just kind of manage it on a week-by-week basis. It's, you know, w- w- I personally believe that we're going to see this like this to the end of the year. And so trying to put a plan together in a month to get this all back together, I don't think it's going to be feasible. I think we're going to have a lot more headwinds in front of us. And But recognizing that they're there and talking about it is, is critical. Um, you know, we keep, keep those employees engaged that are working at home, you know, on Zoom or Teams or whatever you have that keep them engaged and communicate with them and talk to them and, continue to have that open-door policy will help uh, tackle those headwinds going forward. Excellent. Couldn't agree more with you, Mitch. It, you, so when we talk about Trailer Bridge and we, we talk about United States, Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and U.S. US Virgin Islands, we focus a lot on, on international trade and the movement between China and the United States and what's going on in the U.S., we don't get a whole lot of update on what's going on. What's going on in Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, U.S. Virgin Islands? How are you seeing that trade? How are they reacting to this? What are their their headwinds? And I worked in that space, as we talked about before. And the old saying we had is when the United States sneezes, the Virgin Islands get the flu, right? So how is it impacting them? It, it, it's definitely impacting them. I mean, Puerto Rico uh, is our main our main island that, that we go to. Um, and they've, taken, they've, they've got a lot of rules in place. And... They've been very successful. The last week, I think, has been tougher on them. They've kind of let up some of those rules. Uh, but we've, we've seen the volumes in, in these markets get back to almost better than pre-pandemic levels. It's been, wow. it's been really interesting to watch this happen. Uh, Dominican Republic, obviously, is more of a northbound in the U.S. market. So, you know, they, you know we, we import from the DR, uh, but we export to Puerto Rico. And so it's a good fit for us. And, and Dominican Republic is growing right now. We're seeing a lot of people shift their supply chain to the Dominican Republic from, you know, Asia and other markets. It's closer to the U.S., a little more control, and it's a fact. Hey, Mitch, and as usual, you travel really well. A lot of people in the comment section here from your team throwing that TB Strong hashtag well in place, saying hello from Puerto Rico and all around from your different locations. You know what, man? You have a very diverse staff, and this has been a challenging year. There hasn't just been COVID-19, but there has been a renewed focus on diversity in the supply chain, and that can mean a lot of things. But what does diversity in the supply chain mean to you, Mitch? You know, we do have an incredibly diverse staff, and that's one of the things that I think makes us so special at Trailer Bridge is that diversity and the different, the different views that people have on the world, on the supply chain. Um, and, and if companies are able to, you know, have a better acceptance of having different views, you will succeed because you will get a thought process that sometimes we don't understand, especially when we work in Puerto Rico, the biggest public. I'm not, I'm not an expert in their culture, right? So it's important that I listen to the people who are. And it helps build our supply chain. It helps build a, a community inside of Silver and a family that we all 
love and respect each other, and it makes a big difference that we continue to learn from everyone. You know, they're, they're diverse backgrounds. Whatever that background is, it's incredibly important that we learn from it. Agreed 100%. I mean, I, I was in that world again, and we had people diverse from all the different countries, and it definitely helps to doing business in there, knowing those businesses and getting those type of things. But to you in the supply chain, is it the boardroom? Is it the staff? Is it the partners? Uh, where is the focus in the supply chain for diversity? Where is it needed the most? Is, is it in that boardroom? Is it in the partners that you're working with or the company? And if it is, what do you look for? Obviously, uh, I, I think it starts, you know, the boardroom is, is the leadership ultimately, right? That's the idea. They're supposed to be the leaders and promoting that. But I think it's, it's in your staff. It is absolutely in your vendors. Um, it's making sure that you're providing, you know, diversity with the vendors and supporting those vendors that, that need that support. I mean, but definitely in your staff. That is probably the key area. It's, a, it's in your, your, your family that you work with every day and making sure there's that diversity there. That's where the supply chain really starts, right? The supply chain starts with the people. Um, obviously, systems are important, but they start with the people. And making sure you have diversity inside of that is absolutely key to any success. And they keep rolling in here, Michael Vincent. They keep rolling in. <laughs> Puerto Rico strong, TV strong. Justin Smith, Edgar Perez, Puerto Rico TV team in the house. I mean, they must be all together congregate. Is your is your Puerto Rico team all in sight? What, what's things like in Puerto Rico, by the way? I mean, it's, it's Puerto Rico has been, been, it's been tough, right, for the people of Puerto Rico, and I applaud them because they take on these challenges and, and they just keep moving forward. You know, if it wasn't the COVID-19, it really started with earthquakes and COVID-19 and more earthquakes, and now they have a, a drought they're addressing, and obviously we're in the middle of hurricane season. But they, they do it with such pride. You know, I've definitely learned that Puerto Rican culture, they're very proudful of who they are, and it, and it makes me proud to get to work with them. But they, they face the challenges head on, and they just they go after it. I mean, after I've never seen a culture like this, and they just they tackle it head on, um, and, and they get through it as, as a big family. It's an island that's just one huge family. Even more, Eric Mazzotti says, love the energy at TV. <laughs> Brandon Dawson, he's going to be on next. He says, love and respect. What a great concept. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, hey, Mitch, how do people, how do people, what's next for you at Trailer Bridge throughout the summer and how do people reach out and learn more? For, for Trailer Bridge, we just, we just, you know, I, I always, I joke around, just make the right decision for right now. And we just continue moving forward and we continue building out our business model. Um, we keep supporting the people of Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, and all throughout here in the U.S. And if they want to reach out, reach out and learn more, just visit our website, trailerbridge.com got so much information on there um, and you can connect with anybody inside of our company. It, it's the best tool to reach out uh, or, you know, look up, we have offices all around the country, look up a local office and, and reach out and have a conversation with them. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mitch. Mitch. And I think Becky Sinclair says it well, the people are the secret sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Mitch. Everyone go to trailerbridge.com after the show, check out to see what they are the up people. to, man. Take it easy. Take care. Thank you. I think wow. that was Preston Line's thing. It's our people, right? The 151 line. You remember Wait, which Preston? One? You remember Preston? Pre- Preston trucking Brown? Line. No, oh. Preston Trucking Line. <laughs> okay. Maybe you were still in high school or something. I could have been, man. <laughs> Talk to us about our next guest. That dance for me while I bring this up. <laughs> okay. Brandon, Brandon Dawson. So he's going to play it forward, right? Yes. Brandon Dawson, CEO of Exit Plan. And we're going to talk a bunch of a uh, bunch of stuff with, with Brandon, actually. But I can't wait to hear this, uh, this play it forward with him. Well, he uh, says he wrote... Yeah, hey, Brandon Dawson, you're the founder and CEO at Accident Plan. You're on What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. You're the Dragon Slayer. What's up, man? Good 
Good morning, gentlemen. Pleasure to be here with you guys. <laughs> well, one of the reasons he's here, Michael Vincent, you alluded to it before he came on, is he wrote on LinkedIn that he is very excited to be on What the Truck with Dooner and Vincent this coming Monday. He even composed a special song for Dooner and the Dude in their Play It Forward feature. I can't wait to hear it. Let's hear it, man. What do you got for us? You ready? We're yeah, ready. Hey, good there. for you guys. All right. Here All we right. go. Uh, it's a little ditty, a little a little ode to my friends on uh, Freightways, Tim Dooner and the Michael Vincent, the dude. Here we go. You ready? Uh, mama, bless my luck. I'm on what the truck. I get to hang with Dooner and the dude. A dude is kind of crazy and Mike's a little lazy, but they're never mean or evil or rude. They know spot rates, dry freight, flat bed, refrigerated, even though the price is crude. You know it doesn't suck to be on what's the truck when you're hanging with Dooner and the dude. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So if you need some information about the goods across the nation, because you never, ever want to get sued. Buddy, don't get stuck. Tune into What's the Truck and start hanging with Dooner and the Dude. A song for Dooner and the Dude. Buy a round for Dooner and the Dude. <laughs> Buy a round for Dooner and the Dude. Yeah. Man, we would we would be hoedowing <laughs> right now three, if we could hoe down from a, an appropriate social distance. <laughs> but it's kind of hard to do like the, the, the interlocking arm dance, right? When, yeah, uh, I think yeah. we've got a new tagline right, for the show, yeah. Dooner. Wh- which one is it? it? It doesn't suck to be on What the Truck with it, Dooner. And oh, Dooner. it doesn't <laughs> suck. That's my favorite line. I loved it. Oh, wow. So Brian Rice, Brian Rice in the Highest comments says. Highest praise from Brandon Dawson. Brian, Do- Brian Rice in the comments says, how am I supposed to follow this act when you have me on? <laughs> <laughs> it's up to you, bro. It's up to you completely. <laughs> hey, Brandon, you Come know, on, one we'll thing I noticed. Duet. Yeah, duet, duet. There you go. <laughs> well, there's a reason you're so entertaining, right, Michael Vincent? There's a very good reason. I'm, I'm going to get to that here in a second. You know, I was looking at your background there, Brandon, and we'll leave part of it to the side because you probably don't want it uncovered. But uh, you were a transportation coordinator in the film industry for about a decade throughout the 90s. That's got to be some interesting. Tell us, tell us some tales, some tidbits. Yeah. Oh, that was a fun, fun, fun career. Uh, yeah, that's the that's the kind of career where you just never you never know what's going to come up, what kind of problem you're going to have to solve. So we would move movie companies all over, uh, you know, all the honey wagons, all the all the production trucks, all of that. So I've got a ton of stories to uh, to tell about my Hollywood days. <laughs> oh yeah, well, yeah. I said, do we got to tip you to get more? What's up? Uh, do you got one for us? You got any good like Bruce Willis stories? Return of Bruno. I Brandon around yeah, I and I'll a, tell you a story. I got a Robert Downey. I got a Robert Downey Jr. story where uh, we were mo- making a movie with uh, Robert's dad, Robert Downey Sr. Oh. And uh, all at the same time, Robert was going through some struggles. So we had some fun with uh, with that getting uh, getting uh, schedules worked out. And then uh, I got to drive the truck for uh, for uh, uh, it was Malcolm McDowell and Sean Penn were also in this movie so I got to do the stunts where I drove the truck into the lake and uh, wow. I also was able to uh, uh, another truck stunt I did was with uh, on Tremors part two with uh, Michael Gross I was uh, I was his stunt double doing trucks all in old old antique two-stick transmission trucks so it was a ton of fun 
Uh, I can't believe Tremors like didn't win an Oscar. I, fe- I feel like he's not telling us everything. Some of these stories might be for after yeah, for what the truck I, I after dark. Those are just teasers. They sound like teasers. When you open up with Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I spent okay. some time. I spent some time in Hollywood myself. But all right, let's talk about something a little safer. You well, maybe not. Let's talk about something safer in the form of safety. You said that your passion is all about truck crashes and the impact they have on the insurance crisis. Of course, the technology available to help mitigate the crisis is as well. So talk to us a little bit about that. What kind of work do you guys do over at your company? Well, thanks. Uh, at Accident Plan, our mission is to, we want to turn around this whole insurance crisis. I'm sure you guys know that uh, uh, trucking insurance, commercial autos, been losing money at a rate of 112% for the last couple of, uh, last seven years. And uh, it's, it's our observation that uh, the trucking companies are getting caught flat-footed. And so we want to bring not only a technology platform to bring them up to speed with how to get ahead of these plaintiff lawyers, the reptile theories, the litigation finances, and all the things that they've got going against them. We want to improve our game in that arena. So that's what we're here to do. We not only have the technology platform, but we're also developing a network of people so that uh, when something happens, everybody can get on the job right away. Uh, Everybody from the lawyers to the investigators to the adjusters to the uh, underwriters to the risk managers, everybody gets that information right now so that everybody can act a day within minutes instead of weeks or months. So, Brandon, that sounds really interesting. We've talked to many people about safety and the use of IoT devices and ELDs and all that data for proactive and even post, uh, post-mortem kind of figuring out what happened during those, the wreck, that type of stuff. This technology and the data that you're talking about seems to speak a little bit differently than that. Can you tell me a little bit more about that data, what you're, t- what you're talking about? Well, the data that we're collecting is the data uh, at the scene of the accident because no matter what happens, no matter who's going to get there, the only person who, who is on the scene representing the motor carrier is the driver. And so our technology empowers that driver to gather that basic information. And not only that, we're going to give them tools to help them manage the crisis. That driver is going to be in the crisis so that when they get that information, they're taking pictures at the scene, uh, like uh, uh, skid marks, debris, damaged property, and all of that's going to tell a story. And so our motto is, if you, if you don't control the narrative, you won't be able to control the claim. So we give that driver the tool to gather that information, and that shoots straight back to the network uh, so that we can start controlling that narrative. Because if you don't control the narrative of what happened in that accident, somebody else is going to control it against you. And so... If you control the narrative, you control the claim, and that's what we do. We're getting those scene pictures. We're getting the the information about the other parties. We're getting the information about the law enforcement, and that's where it starts. Yeah, It starts with that information. So we shoot that information down the line so that all the other people can make informed, intelligent, rapid response decisions. You know, some of these decisions have to come from fresh flesh and blood, though. We had an awful story on FreightWaves.com about this crash with this driver, Corey Withrow. He's 31 years old. He kills four kids in this fiery accident by going 20 miles too fast through a construction site. They test his blood. They find out he's on ecstasy, speed, and weed at the time of the accident. And, uh, and the owner says he knew about his past history. Here's the infuriating part. The owner says he knew about his past history, but he gave him the smell test. 
and he, he observed him before he left, and he looked fine. Brandon, what can we do about situations like this? We, we try and have this drug and alcohol clearinghouse, right? We try to do the right things. We try to bring in tech, but at the end of the day, there still has to be that responsibility. Well, yeah, it does. And the, what we have to do, Junior, is attract, is attract a better caliber of people. We need, to, we need to figure out why we're losing all these people, why we can't keep people in the chairs, and make sure that we are running operations that attract good people so that we don't wind up with jokers like this Corey fellow. That, that motor carrier knew or should have known that he had previous uh, criminal drug charges just from last year and a couple of years ago. So we need to uh, we need to clean up our act, make sure we keep good people in this, so we're not dragging the bottom of the barrel for for people like that driver. Yeah, he mentioned the narrative, and when the driver himself admits, I mean the the owner himself admits to Freightwaves that he knew about this guy's past discretions, and so much so that he thought to observe him before he goes out. In his own words, uh, that that seems like not something that hold up that well in court. It's not. It's not, and that's what we're trying to do to educate our motor carriers is, uh, my friends, the defense starts today, and your risk management starts every day. Your safety starts every single day, and so when the plaintiff attorneys get a hold of people like that, they're going to tear it up, and they're they're going to exhaust all of the insurance minimums, and then if that if that particular company owns it, assets, they're going to go after those. And my big disappointment is that the motor carrier is not the one up on criminal charges today, because those are the people we need to get out of our industry and keep the good ones in. Hey, Brandon, I have some good news. Emily Zink, she says that that was her favorite play it forward. Oh, thank you, Emily. <laughs> there you go. As GM thank of content you, at Freightwaves, uh, <laughs> her opinion is pretty heavily weighted. It, it, Kenneth it Carter the third. Kenneth Carter the third says, as a driver that has been involved in a major crash, I can appreciate your company. Uh, Iona Fisher says, great song, well done. Chris Jolly says, I agree, that was amazing. And uh, and Chris Jolly also says, great work. Brandon, how do people reach out and learn more? Oh, they can reach us. We can. You can find us at accidentplan.com. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, it's uh, Brendan Dawson, uh, man with truck. And uh, you can also reach me by email at brendan at accidentplan.com. Excellent stuff, stuff Brandon. Wow, we Thank really you. appreciate that. Thanks for coming on the show today and playing it forward with Dooner and the dude. And the dude. It doesn't Thank suck. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the invitation. Thanks, man. We'll have you back you in the gentlemen. near future. Take care. Take it easy. Uh, all right, what do we got next? We have uh, Susan, uh, is it Sokolich and uh, Matthew Camden from Virginia Tech kind of come on. We talk a, a little bit more deeply on almost the, uh, on safety yeah. and also retention a little bit on the drivers, changing the driver, pretty much diving a little bit deeper with academia on what we just talked with uh, Brandon about. Yeah, and Some the really whole academic stuff. thing, like we teased at the beginning Absolutely. of the show. Hey, Susan, Absolutely. you're on the line with Dooner and the Dude. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing well. How are you? We're doing great. Now we're just going to add in uh, Matt over here into the call as well, and then we'll uh, we'll spend a little time talking about the rise of education. We'll talk about safety and some of the research you've done. We're really excited about that. So I'm awesome. going to bring him up right now, okay? Okay. Hey, Matt, thanks for joining us on What the Truck with Dooner and the Dude. I've got Susan on the other line. I'm going to merge the calls right now. Should work. Here we go. Merge calls. Merge calls. We'll, there we go. Susan and Matt, Sweet. what's up, guys? Can you hear me? Hey, how are you? 
We can. You guys are with yeah. the Virginia Tech hey. Institute. Uh, the Virginia Tech Institute conducts research to save lives, time, and money, and protect the environment as one of the seven premier research institutes created by Virginia Tech to answer national challenges. VTTI is continually advancing transportation through innovation and has impacted public policy on national and international levels. You got you. You two are doing some amazing work over there. Yeah, it's really amazing. It's been 30 years of um, tackling really important transportation topics to keep people safe and to keep technology moving. Um, it's, it's a great place to be. Yeah, it's awesome. We were just talking. We love seeing so many universities getting involved in the academic study of transportation. And both of you guys at Virginia Tech Transportation Institute, can you tell us uh, 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 about the program a little bit and what kinds of research and studies that you guys are, are into there? Sure. Um, the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute studies transportation-related topics specifically, but the research topics are really diverse. Um, they cover trucks and buses, uh, motorcycle work. They focus on vulnerable users like teen drivers and older drivers. Um, and they also have a focus on um, some other aspects of our driving, such as the roadway, the lighting, um, it's a really diverse group, uh, automated vehicles, pretty much anything transportation-related. There's someone at um, VCCI who um, has done a lot of work on the topic. You recently did a study on age and experience of drivers. What did you discover from looking into that? So that study was great. We had um, over 9,000 drivers involved in the study across a very wide age range from 21 to over 65 years old. And when we looked at how their experience affected their safety, we found that low driving experience across a wide range of ages had um, an impact on driving risk. And it didn't seem to matter um, how old the driver was. It was more important their, um, their driving experience with a commercial vehicle that really affected their, um, their risk while, while driving the vehicle. That's interesting. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, no matter what age you are, if you've never driven a truck, you've never driven a, driven a truck, right? But was, so was was there yeah. a time frame that is there? Is it like over one year, over two years? Because many companies have these these you know they have these rules that you must have X number of months or X number of years of experience before they're gonna they're they're gonna hire you. Did you was there any information or data on that? The length of experience that was important. Yeah. So we didn't find um, a particular year where it seemed like suddenly everything was um, always going to be safer. But the drivers who came in the study, they reported experience levels as low as six months or less, um, up to 30 years of experience. And um, given what you said about, you know, some carriers want to be sure they're hiring with a certain experience level, we did find that low experience, so under one year, seemed to be associated with more risk. Um, but we found that to be true, whether a driver was 21 or whether they were in one of the older driver groups. So um, what we kind of came away from the study thinking was perhaps low-experienced drivers should be um, the focus of, like, safety-based interventions, like structured training or maybe mentoring from older drivers or perhaps um, under a coaching system so that, um, that those low-experienced drivers, no matter their age, receive some, like, um, more intense help becoming safer more quickly. 
The number of people killed in crashes involving large trucks across the United States is, is on the rise, with a death toll jumping from 725 to 841, a staggering 16% between 2016 and 2017, according to the NHTSA compilation of data. Uh, I know they've also looked at data involving ELDs and prevention of crashes, but what can you tell us about about the, the study from a few years ago, and, and have you looked into ELDs at all and their role in crashes? Yeah, so we actually did a study looking at the effects of ELDs back uh, probably about four or five years ago. And what we found was that trucks equipped with ELDs were involved in fewer crashes, um, whether that was just property damage crashes or the more serious crashes as well. Now, we also found that the trucks with ELDs, of course, were um, hitting fewer hours of service violations. And we do know that you know, hours of service violations are related to crash risk, too. Yeah, driver driver fatigue, I guess you're, you're, you're talking about right there, right? So um, <clears throat> according to the study or institute conducted with the National Service Transportation Center, uh, Safety Center for Excellence, six out of the nine carriers reported that adopting at least one advanced safety technology or significant improved safety outcomes. One carrier reported a 56% decrease in preventable rear-end collisions after equipping its trucks with automatic, uh, automatic emergency brake systems. So what else did you learn from that, from, from that study? Yeah, that was a really great study. So, so that study uh, looked at carriers, nine carriers, that had significantly improved their safety performance over a number of years. And uh, across those nine carriers, there were a lot of commonalities. One was every single one of those companies did something that improved the safety culture, whether that was uh, their hiring criteria, their safety incentive program, the driver pay. Uh, but technology was a big factor. Uh, actually, all nine of the companies use some sort of technology to improve their safety performance. So that could be telematics. It could be a video-based uh, monitoring system. Or it could be these more advanced uh, driver assistance systems. So the one company that, that you mentioned used automatic emergency braking. And we know that automatic emergency braking does work. Uh, but we don't have very many studies showing exactly how many crashes can be prevented with it. So the one company we talked to, yeah, they, they saw a 56% reduction in, in rearing crashes over a number of years. So this is a huge, a huge number because we do know that rearing crashes with large trucks cause a lot of damage. It, it injures the person in the live vehicle that's hit, which obviously increased uh, significantly the crash cost. Wow. Wow. You know, one of the things, Matt, you've also studied, I was looking through your report on retention, carrier culture, and upward mobility. We're talking about an industry with a 100% turnover rate, uh, even in good years. What did, you, what did that study tell you? Why did you decide to look into those specific areas? Yeah, that's a great question. So, so we try to keep our finger on the pulse in the industry. So, you know, ATA does their, uh, you know, every year their list of top, you know, um, factors affecting safety in the industry. Um, the NTSB, the National Transportation Safety Board, comes out with a list uh, of risk factors every year that they want to target. So one of the things is, is driver retention, driver turnover, that, that has been coming up for the past five, ten years. So we wanted to look at and really get a feel of, is driver retention impacting safety? And we wanted to see the parts out a little bit more. So we know that carriers, some, some retention is good. I mean, retention is bad. So we know if a carrier gets into involved in a, a crash, 
they're often fired. So that's actually good. It, it could be in, increasing that carrier safety. But other times, carriers just leave for a host of number of factors, whether somebody else decides better pay or better route. So we wanted to look at it and see if voluntary turnover was impacting safety or uh, making carriers as a as a whole less safe. So this study uh, looked at a lot of different drivers from one carrier for about five years, and we found that drivers who competed at one carrier were involved in fewer crashes than drivers who voluntarily left to go to a different carrier, and much safer than drivers who uh, were forced to terminate their employment with that carrier. I guess that sort of makes sense, right? You would think that the ones that were forced to terminate, there there was some sort of issue there. It would also make sense that if there's more uh, 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 retention, a better retention rate of carrier, you were a safer safer carrier. Mm-hmm. That pressure to seat those trucks, to keep those trucks seated, you sometimes somebody's going to look the other way a little bit and say, "Well, I'll give you a shot," right? And then yeah. you wind up with a with a crash and you're out of business. With Corey Withrow, like we uh, talked Corey about, where the guy Withrow, said he's the, giving the eyeball test. Yeah, you can't he, like have. a like a parent looking at a teenager. Yeah, and they still let this guy get behind a truck, even though he's on ecstasy, speed, and weed. Yeah, he's exactly. in a, uh, and, But that brings up another question that I have for for Susan or, or or Matt, either either one of you, really. The fifty nine of the sixty nine safety strategies in in the report that you had, fifty nine out of the sixty nine safety strategies were pre crash countermeasures, right? Does so? Really, two questions. Two, you talked about safety as a value over prop priority and and the other is is proactive versus the forensic study of what happened after the crash so really both of those which you know that value over priority i guess it would speak to that if you're doing proactive and is proactive that much better than learning from a crash and then teaching people yeah so i think they kind of go hand in hand but 100 percent being proactive doing things up front is much better because you don't want to just be reactive to crashes right if you can prevent that crash from occurring in the first place, you're saving your fleet money, you're saving the time to replace drivers, you're saving um, people's lives, potentially. So it's much better to, to be proactive at addressing safety. Uh, one thing you know, I wanted to go back a little bit on, you know, these nine companies, they all did various things. They all had pretty strict hiring criteria. They had great training programs. They had great technology. Uh, one thing that, that kind of came out was there was really no one best way to get at some of the driver's qualifications and driver's criteria. Some fleets did have five years of crash miles or five years of experience. Other ones only had six months of driving experience. The key was identifying and finding those drivers that they thought fit the culture of the company, specifically in terms of the safety and the importance of safety, and, and coaching those drivers, mentoring those drivers, giving those drivers the tools to help them be safe when they're behind the wheel. Yeah, no, truly important stuff. We really only have time for one more question here, but there was an article on FreightWaves.com that was, what, driver pay versus driver shortage. That's right. Uh, I guess my last question would, and it's really, uh, someone argued that there is no driver shortage, right? And it's just the economics of pay. Mm -hmm. If pay aligns, those seats are set. What did you find out in studying this? And and do you agree there's a, a driver shortage or not? Is it the economics of pay? Where do you fall on that side of the debate? Yeah, so I think, and, and we know that driver pay is the number one reason that, that either keeps the driver at your fleet or the driver goes somewhere else. So I think it's critical, but there's all these other things that influence it, too. Are they getting great routes? Are they getting time at home? Some drivers view this more important than pay. 
Um, but pay is important. And in terms of the driver shortage, you know, I, I think that carriers are having a hard time finding qualified and safe drivers. And those are the people who are remote um, in need. So carriers can do everything they can, whether that's pay or doing good routes, giving the drivers new vehicles or well-maintained vehicles. Those are a lot of the things that can help keep those safe drivers at that company. Yeah, no, that's that's a great answer. And you know, a lot of times I ask this question on road dog trucking on Sirius XM's on Freightways Radio, and a lot of the drivers will go, "There's no driver shortage. There's a good driver shortage. You can yeah. find plenty of you know JOs to sit in the seat and, and take up a seat, but to find the really good qualified drivers, that's a harder task. And that's where that's what that's what the the good carriers should be aiming for. Uh, you guys, this has been incredible. Su- Susan Sokolich, do we say that correctly? Susan Sokolich. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. We really yes. appreciate sharing our work with you. I'll see. I'm one for two now. And uh, Matthew <laughs> Camden for the Virginia Tech Transportation Institute. How do people find out more information about what you do? And if uh, uh, students or, or carriers or whomever is looking to use your services or your research, how do they get in touch? Yeah, yeah. I think the best way is to visit our website. Our website is www.vcti.vc.edu. Excellent. Hey, thanks, guys. We really appreciate it. Have, a, lot, guys. have an excellent Thank week. Uh, look out, transportation. The smart kids are coming for you, as we say in Boston. <laughs> Is that how you say it in Boston? I would like it's to wish Cody a happy birthday. I just got that on Slack. Happy birthday, Cody. He's a broadcast engineer here. He's spending it getting ready for the 3PL Summit because... His greatest birthday gift is his gift that he's going to bring to you tomorrow. <laughs> That's exactly Live right. on the show. Let's talk a little big deal, little deal right now. Big uh, deal, little deal. Flood of new, new and cheap shares are sinking. Nicholas Stock, we've had, we've had Trevor Milton on a few times. Is this a big deal or a little deal? We had him on right when it was up at 90. Yeah, it was right after the yeah. after they went public. I mean, it was like boom. It was that spac. Right? It was it went to ten. It, it went to spike. twenty at the spac right beforehand. It is. It converted over, went up to ninety, and then it has fallen ever since. Yeah, exactly. It's probably a bigger deal to uh, Tim and their company than it is to the space and to and to everybody else. I think it's more uh, expected. Yeah. As it was, you know, that initial boom, everybody jumps on, and then they're 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 pre cash, they're pre revenue, right? I yeah. mean, they're, they're pre revenue as they hit milestones, things will change. People put it in their 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 portfolio and now they're kind of switching around as others are hitting market, et cetera, et cetera, and it'll change. So I think it's a smaller deal than it sounds. It's, a, I mean, it's a big deal if you bought at ninety, right? I mean, yeah. and that's kind of that, that's kind of been a bit of the problem here. On Twitter, Trevor has spent Trevor Milton, see, well, he's not the founder; he's a chairman over there. He was a C, he's a chairman over at Nicola. He spends a lot of time uh, addressing critics, and a lot of times it draws out the trolls. And yeah. a lot of the talk is around stock markets. Brought a lot of criticism to him, but I think the real reason people are—I mean, Twitter, tw- like that's not going to change that much. Uh, well, okay, you can talk about Elon on Joe Rogan, but it's not going to change. <laughs> it's not going to change that much in the long term. What is though is having deliverables and not being vapor and not being virtual. And, and that's what it is. They haven't hit these big milestones yet. Well, but here's the thing, too. He, he's pumped up a few things. He talked about July 23rd. They're they're breaking ground on their factory in Arizona, but it's just a ceremony. They're just going to wear Howard hats and yeah. carry shovels. There actually haven't been plans submitted to the city, at least as far as I know, as of, as of yet. Oh, okay. So some yeah. of that stuff, it's still like people still want to see the truck. Things need to materialize. Things need to materialize. Yeah. I liked him. I like talking to him. I, I think that I, Nicholas up to some good stuff, but he's got to understand that until these trucks. And, and look, Elon, go on his story. He's facing criticism all the time, and he's, he's, delivered, oh, yeah, yeah. he's delivered tenfold. But yeah, that's how people come at you. 
Yep. And you're going, you're, I mean, he's in the spotlight. It's a great technology. They're in the spotlight. It is what it is. But as deliverables come, I think it'll be. Well, get you know what? He's got those. the elephant out of the room, too. There's a big S1 filing with uh, $247 million S dollars of uh, shares that, that went out, too. And yeah. that brought it down. But now it's out of the way. Maybe you got a clear pathway yeah, to, to, do, to rebuild. Path. Right, right. Uh, so, hey, all right, Dooner. So OSHA orders carrier to reinstate driver after raising safety concerns. Uh, big deal, little Dooner. This, this driver blew the whistle. Uh, they fired him. It's tough to be a whistleblower. It is. It's tough. I mean, Big deal, little day, bro. You think, I mean, you're trying to do the right thing. We're always taught to do the right thing. You're taught to protect everybody. But a lot of times when you see people at companies blow whistles, they end up getting not just ostracized from the company, but a lot of times ostracized from the industry because yeah. people go, well, I, this guy just talks too much. You know, he did the right thing, but I, do I necessarily want him in our huddle now? So, I mean, uh, the right thing happened here from my understanding of the story. You know, him being awarded the damages. He did the right. He did, he did the right thing, and doing the right thing he is did. tough. So I'm going to say big deal because he, he did the right thing, I, and that's I, not easy. I, I'm with you. I thought you were going to go little deal for a second there. But, yeah, big deal. I mean, it, it, like you said, because it's hard to be a whistleblower, and you, you feel like, okay, he's going to be ostracized. He's not in our huddle anymore. But he's blowing it. It, it was a safety issue. They yeah, could kill people on the highway and stuff. I don't want somebody in my huddle is not going to point out to me that I'm doing something that could risk people's lives, et cetera, right? Michael, you got to be able to sleep at night. Hey, amen. You know, you got to be able to sleep at night. All right, here's, uh, here's one. Semi-trucker, semi-sweet, semi-truck hauling <laughs> cookie dough catches fire on a Tennessee highway. Big deal, little deal, dude. I think it's a big deal that oh, yeah? somebody lit this thing on fire. Oh. <laughs> I mean, no, it probably breaks or something like that. They didn't uh, say. They didn't say. I looked forward to, to try and find that, that angle because I'm not a big cookie guy, man. Yeah. I mean, was it edible cookie dough or was it for uh, – that would make uh, like, change my opinion to inedible cookie dough? Well, I mean, you know, when I was a kid, I mean, cookie dough, you just yeah. ate it. But now there's raw eggs in it and they'll kill you. So you yeah, can't eat still like cookie dough ice cream and stuff. <laughs> yeah, bro, I don't, I don't make eat. the rules. I just yeah. report the news. As long as you wear a mask, you can eat the cookie dough. You just got <laughs> to shove it through that, the porous, uh, I think that's porous things. Keeps the chips. I, yeah. Emily said when I started a story over the weekend, she was like, that must have smelled delicious. And it probably did for like a couple of minutes. Yeah, but, but if you ever smelled are not so like burnt sugar or burnt yeah, chocolate. That it started would, heating up and baking inside, yeah, it, was it, pretty, it would smell terrible. <laughs> uh, I'll say that it's, you know, it's a, it's a little deal. It's it's a, a little, you can't cry over I don't know. Maybe they need a milk tanker, a spilled milk tanker. That's what they need. They should have yeah. sprayed milk on it, put that thing out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dooner. Twitter says uh, that some accounts had personal data stolen in a massive <laughs> hack. Uh, I think you were listed. No, you weren't. Just kidding. <laughs> Uh, big deal, little deal. I was watching that in real time. Like, if you saw it on General Slack, because so if you go oh, yeah, on, like, yeah. if you go on President Trump's tweets, there's always people who copy and paste, like, this image of Elon Musk tweeting that if you give him a Bitcoin, he'll send you two Bitcoin back, which, you know, like, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, but this time, the hacker, he got into, and this is what, this is, according to CNN, this is what they're saying, that it was done via how most hacks are done. It's not a guy, like, in the Matrix going through, like, some, like, computerized mainframe. Yeah. It's usually done by social engineering. Most hacking is on someone picking up the phone, calling someone at Twitter, or sending a link. Yeah, this is they, Joe from the Bronx. I'm with the IRS. Yeah, so yeah. what happened is they found some guy who had a master account at Twitter. So he must have been some guy who can just go in anything, sweep things up. They found out him. They hacked his account, and that's how they jumped into the really prominent accounts he had access to, like the Elon Musks of the world. I believe they also got Uber's account. It's interesting that they would just do the Bitcoin scam, though, because it didn't say exactly how much money they raised. But the last time I checked the wallet, it was only around $250,000. But this report says they also stole messages. And this, to me, almost seems like a smokescreen. Like, 
they're, they're having access to all those major accounts. You could do, Did they do quite a bit of else? damage. You could do more in advertising just alone for than two hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, I yeah. Who knows? I, maybe there's something behind this that you're right. A smokescreen, like the movie Pelham One to One Two Three. Where you, you took the train you know, to defer them, but it was really about the stock market. Made all. Anyways, serious but, question though. Serious question. Yeah, should I, we should I, we not allow like it, should Twitter and social media be platforms for official? Messages. I, we get so accustomed and so used to using it, but with hacks being so easy, someone could just jump and spoof the account, put a message out, and cause some some real conflict. I think that's why I was going to say it's a big deal because you got to make those questions. I, I don't know that Twitter should be the place for official announcements, and it makes so much more difficult to decipher what is phishing, what's not phishing, what's a scam, what's not a scam, what's real news, what's not real news, uh, etc. So yeah, the Bitcoin one is kind of dumb. Deal. Like only two hundred fifty thousand. Not that many people followed. You can't con us, John. You can't get. Something for nothing, like yeah. Why would he? Why would someone send you two Bitcoin yeah. for sending one? They're they're worth like ten thousand dollars at the moment. Yeah, it's just, that's it's not, not the way the world works. <laughs> you know what is a big deal though? Yeah. Um, well, I've got a guess, but what? I'll let you say it. Emily Zink, Freightways well, Live. That's one of two things. <laughs> Both. Yes. The three PL Summit. What's even bigger than that? Emily Zink is here to talk about it. What's here? What's up, Emily? What's up, cool? guys? Yeah, nice having you here, Dooner. And guess what? Tomorrow, we don't have one, but we have two live What the Trucks. So people are definitely in for yeah. a treat. Two What the Trucks. It one put that suck. coffee down, right? It does not yeah. suck to be on What the Truck. It, oh, is that, that, that was that the name of the song? That I don't was, know, but it was a line in that song, and I liked it. I don't know if he titled it. Well, so, Emily Zink, what, what's coming up? Let us, let us know. You guys are working hard. You're like ducks, pe- feet paddling under the water, getting all set and all ready for this wonderful <laughs> yeah. event. It's been a crazy weekend for the team, but we are excited to show everything off. New this year, um, you might be watching right now with closed captioning, but we need to thank our closed captioning sponsors, Transfix. So a lot of you requested that after our May event. You said, you know what, we love it, but we can't watch the whole time with the volume on. We want to, but we got to work. So we do have closed captioning now. So you just hit that CC button at the bottom of your screen, or if you're watching on Roku or Apple, you easily activate closed captioning. So that is great. Something I'm extremely, extremely excited for. A lot of people asked for, they loved our video content, but they wanted a better virtual experience. How do we show off our products? How do we interact with people? And we definitely delivered, I think we delivered more than people are expecting. So our virtual boots are something you won't see anywhere else. We actually had somebody within our building design these virtual boots. So they are custom to each company. And when we so right now, if you go to live.freightwaves.com, you'll see the agenda. You'll see kind of what everything, how everything works. But tonight, we'll be switching over that site. So you'll be able to play around in those virtual booths a little later on today. Wow, that's super exciting. I know Hubtech's the headline sponsor of that. Bradley Jacobs, he is doing a town hall format. Tell us about that. So yeah, this this will be exciting. Uh, so to start the day at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, everything's in Eastern Standard Time. Brad Jacobs, the chairman and CEO of XPO Logistics, will be holding a town hall. And the cool thing is we have about 10 or 11 industry experts, executives, big names in the industry. You could check it all out on the agenda asking him questions. And the thing is, he didn't want to know beforehand what these people are asking. So I have a feeling we're going to get some really, really great questions tomorrow. Is he just going to throw the papers on the floor and say, roll with it? <laughs> you know where some papers may be thrown on the floor? You know where they may be thrown on the floor? On the great debate. Freight Waves founder and CEO Craig Fuller is out for vengeance against Zach Strickland. That's right. Because Craig Fuller, and he was right. He was right about the sonar chart. It, 
he, he was. Didn't win the debate, but he won real life. He won the bet that they yeah, had. Yeah, he won the no, real he, life. His predictions were spot on, and they continue to be spot on. So we'll see what happens at the Great Debate 2 or Son of Great Debate or whatever it is tomorrow. Yeah. Right? You talk, Emily, you talk to those guys. Are they, are they training? Are they getting ready for this, uh, for the madness for, uh, to lock horns? Yeah, I know Craig really wants revenge. He, Even though, as you guys just said, his predictions were right, but Zach was the yeah. fan favorite last time, so we will see how that goes. We'll have voting in our Slack channel, so that will be exciting to see in real time what everyone thinks. I think Zach won, though, last time. He had a few really good one-liners. He talked about yes. hair salon. It was the hairdresser. It was the hair salon singer yeah. that got And Michael him. Vincent, you are the one who will be refereeing this, so you definitely want to oh, wow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, as, as special guest referee, how do you train for something like this? How do you stay impartial? Or maybe you are not. Like, have you? Do you uh, take? A you little, don't know. Have you checked my bank account? I haven't checked your bank account. <laughs> uh, you got some shiny got new a, shoes on, though, my man. I got some nice shoes. I got a lot of Bitcoin that just came are my way. Are those Zach weekend. Strickland pay <laughs> <laughs> shoes? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's gonna. So you're gonna be really busy over there, Emily. What will you be doing at the event? I know everyone loves to see you, and we always want to see more of you. Well, I will be behind the scenes a lot of the time running the show and making sure everything stays organized. But you'll see me quick little hits, 30, 40 seconds, minute hits throughout the day, letting everyone know what's going on, reminding people about our amazing virtual booths. And the biggest thing is we are using Slack again. A lot of you have asked. It is a different Slack channel. It's mm -hmm. a completely different Slack channel. Make sure you check your emails. We have an email going out in just a bit to let you know how to sign up for that. I know, Dooner, you've been sharing that on social media. I've been yeah. sharing it. We want to say hi to everyone. I think we already have around 250 people in our Slack channel, so we'd love to have a lot more before tomorrow's event. Wow. We, well, Emily Zink, that's awesome. I'm super excited. Michael Vincent is I super excited. I'm pumped. We got to get off the air in a minute here to start preparing because, like she said, now we got two what the trucks. Plus, yeah. we got a Friday what the truck, and we got yeah. two put the coffee downs this that's week, right. and we got a lot going on. Uh, like she said, join the Slack channel. If you haven't found the link yet, check your email or look at look me up on social. I put it on Twitter at Timothy Dooner, Timothy Dooner on on LinkedIn. Continue the conversation. I think Michael Vincent shared it. Freightways main account has shared it. Not hard to find, but people yeah. are already in that room. They're already connecting. They're already sharing LinkedIn's. They're already making deals. They're already doing business. They're already having fun. Uh, you know, be be in there before the show starts. Start pre-gaming with us in the Slack channel. You can find this show on your favorite podcast player of choice, the audio version. Subscribe to What the Truck. You get uh, every What the Truck episode, or subscribe to Freightcasting at every single Freightways podcast, That's including what, what the Truck, including yeah. the Midday Market Update, right. including all of these sessions from the 3PL Summit that you're going to hear, and all the sessions from our last one, where we put our live virtual events up there, all of that kind of stuff. Oh, man, thank you to all our guests today. Thank you all. Peace and love, everyone. Little cab out, everyone, for joining us today. Thank you so much. And Brandon Johnson, great song, man. Stay safe out there. Stay in your lane. Catch you tomorrow, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Yeah.